Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host, and I am recording this on Tuesday, January 18th. There was no episode last Friday because I was sick, and so now I'm doing Friday's episode today. This is going to be a really big episode. we got lots of news to talk about. Um, I didn't have COVID, if anybody's curious. Uh, I had several tests to make sure I didn't have COVID because it seems like everybody around me has COVID right now, but uh, I, I did not catch COVID. I just had a little illness that uh, I feel like I'm over today. I mean, I did take a two-hour-long nap this morning, but I think that's just because work has been so busy that, and I've been, you know, we've been up all night, and I think I was just tired. Anyway, this and every episode of Kilowatt is brought to you by the following patrons. Joseph, Jerry, Jeffrey, Steve, Neil, Bruce, Isaiah, Anthony, Howard, Jessica Kirsch. By the way, Jessica and I recorded her Starbase update. I will include that on this Friday's episode, and there will be an episode this Friday, I promise you. Anyway, Bruce, Elon Muskie, Tommaso, Vanilla Wafer, Ryan, Karen, Chip, Chris, Sierra, Dale, Don, Cameron, Nate, Mark, James, and Free. Thinker128. Thank you all for contributing every month to this show. I really appreciate it. All of the money goes back into the show. None of the money goes into my own pocket. So if you want to contribute, go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or support kilowatt.com. And yeah, I just want to thank everybody for contributing. I really appreciate it. All right. If you've listened to this show for any length of time, by that, I mean years, you know that I usually do a giveaway around Christmas time. This year, I was just buried under a ton of different things, and I was not able to put together a giveaway for the show. So now that I've got a little bit more free time, I actually went out and I purchased a Rivion thermal cup. It's really cool. It's white. It says Rivion. It keeps your hot drinks hot, your cold drinks cold. You can use it however you would like. If you would like to win this cup, all you have to do is email me, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com, and just tell me you want the cup. That's it. You don't have to do anything else. I will enter you into the contest. I haven't decided when exactly we're going to do the giveaway just yet. I'm thinking probably like sometime in the middle of February, 
And if you're not a Patreon supporter, you know, this is totally free to enter. You don't have to be a Patreon supporter. You get one entry. But if you are a Patreon supporter, you will get two entries. But you do have to email me but that you want to be entered into the contest. In the past, they used to automatically enroll Patreon supporters in the contest. And I've been asked not to do that. So I'm not doing that going forward. Okay, that's enough housekeeping. Let's jump into the news. NEO, Chinese automaker NEO, is expanding their presence in the United States. They have signed a new 10-year lease on a 200,000-square-foot building, and that will serve as their headquarters. 200,000 square feet approximately doubles their current space in San Jose, so it's a pretty big deal. And we've talked about NEO's battery swap stations in the past. Well, CATL is launching their own battery swap brand called EvoGo. So the EvoGo system has three components to it. It has a modular battery that looks like a chocolate bar and is easily stackable. It has an app that does all the normal stuff you an app would do for this kind of service. And it has the battery swap station itself, which looks a lot like Neo's battery swap stations. It takes up about three parking spaces. You pull your car into the little garage area. It takes the battery pack out, puts a new fresh battery pack in, and you're ready to go in under a minute. It's really cool. So those are the similarities to Neo's battery swapping technology. The thing that sets Evogo apart is their modular battery packs. And it's with these battery packs or this modular form factor that they've developed They are trying to solve the problem of when you go to buy an EV, what size battery do you get? Do you get the smaller battery pack and live with less range? Or do you get a bigger battery pack that you don't really need except for maybe three or four times a year when you take a road trip? And that bigger battery pack is, you know, quite a bit more money than the smaller battery pack. So how do you solve for that? EvoGo's solution is modular battery packs. So you have one battery pack will get you 200 kilometers or 124 miles. And they actually call them battery blocks. So one block gets you about 124 miles, 200 kilometers. Two blocks gets you 400 kilometers or 248 miles. And then three blocks gets you 600 kilometers or 372 miles. So let's say you're going to buy a supporting EV, and right now we don't know which car companies are going to support this technology, but let's say you're going to buy a supporting EV, and really 90% of the time you're only driving in the city and you're not really going that far. So maybe you buy the car with the one block, which will get you 124 miles or 200 kilometers, and then you decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a long road trip and my road trip is going to be about 700 miles. So you can actually go to one of these battery swapping stations and add two more blocks. So you have a total of three blocks in your car for 372 miles. So theoretically, this would actually end up saving you money off the purchase of your car while still giving you the flexibility to travel a greater distance if you choose to do that. And then when you get back into the city and you go back to your normal driving behavior, you can just go back down to that one or two battery blocks that you had prior to the upgrade, which I think is a really cool solution and very flexible for EV owners. We don't have a lot of details on what it costs to do this. In the presentation, they talked about renting batteries, and I don't know if it got lost in the translation in terms of the difference between renting a battery and having a battery subscription. It kind of sounded like to me, based on what I've read and what I saw in the video, is that you would buy the vehicle with the range that you think you need. 
So let's say you're like, you know what, I think I need at least 200 miles range. You would buy the vehicle with two blocks in it. And then later, if you decided to go on a longer uh, car trip, you could rent that extra block to get the 372 miles. And then when you get back into town, like I said, you could just turn that third block in and you're back to two blocks. So it's, like I said, very flexible. We don't really have a lot more information on this at, at this point in time. Um, one car currently supports this technology. I didn't recognize the name and I forgot to write it down. It'll launch in 10 cities, but those cities haven't been announced yet. And of course, if you aren't near a battery swap station and you need to charge your vehicle, it charges like a normal EV. Moving on to some Kia news. Kia is delivering the EV6 three months early here in North America. By that, I mean that one person has actually received a delivery. Ben Anderson 89 took to Reddit to announce that they received the new EV6. Kia shipped 5,605 EV6s in December. 1,495 of those were sold in South Korea. 4,110 were exported, mostly to Europe, with the exception of that one I mentioned earlier. Kia has produced almost 30,000 EV6s since they began production, and approximately two-thirds of those were exported to Europe. So good job, Kia. If you don't know what the EV6 is, it's the kissing cousin to the Hyundai Ioniq 5. It's a really good-looking car. It's getting great reviews. If you're in the market for a new EV, it's definitely worth a look. Let's see here. Volkswagen has increased EV delivery by 96% in 2021 when compared to 2020. In 2020, they sold around 232,000 vehicles, and in 2021, they sold around 452,000 vehicles. That made them the best-selling EV brand in Europe in 2021. So congratulations to the Volkswagen team on that. Rivian produced 1,115 vehicles and delivered 920 vehicles in 2021. Rivian's future auto plant in Georgia will sit on 2,000 acres. It'll employ somewhere close to 7,500 people. It'll be capable of producing 400 vehicles, excuse me, 400,000 vehicles a year. And on that 2,000 acres, there'll be a research and development facility, training facility, production of obviously, delivery center, 144 exterior chargers, a test track, an adventure trail. Let's see, administrative offices, medical offices, recreation facilities, healthcare center. There's going to be a hotel, a restaurant, and a daycare. I like to see the daycare thing. The plant should be up and running by 2024. However, I don't think all of the things that I just mentioned will be ready in 2024, just the production part. Lucid will also be building a production plant in Saudi Arabia. We've already talked about this, but that plant should be up and running in 2025 or 2026, according to Automotive News. All right, that is it for our EV news. Let's go ahead and jump into our Tesla news this week. If you are in the market, <laughs> if you are in the market to buy a Tesla and you want full self-driving capability, it is now going to cost you $12,000 instead of the $10,000 it would have cost you yesterday. If you decide, yeah, I'd rather have the subscription, that's still $200 a month. Or if you had partial full self-driving or partial autopilot, I don't remember what they called it, that'll cost you $99. So, you know, nothing's changed on the subscription side. 
You can now buy some select items, that was a lot of S's, on the Tesla merchandise store with Dogecoin. I don't know why I got so excited when I said Dogecoin. Anyway, you can buy the Tesla belt buckle, the cyber whistle, or the cyber quad if you have enough Doge. No word if the SpaceX store and the Boring store are going to follow this trend, but I'll keep an eye on it for you. Tesla has added a structural battery pack reference to the Model Y owner's manual. When Tesla initially announced the 4680 battery cells, they also announced the structural battery pack. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Structural battery pack. Um, Anyway, initially, Model Y is built in Giga Texas and at Giga Berlin. They were going to include the structural battery pack with the 4680 cells. But as of this recording... Giga Berlin and Giga Texas have not yet been approved for to start production. Now, they're both very close, but I wouldn't put it past Tesla to have built a few Model Ys at Fremont with the 4680 cells and the structural battery pack just for testing purposes, and maybe they'd put them out in the wild and they're selling them to a few people. Now, that's a complete hearsay and rumor on my part, so don't take that as a gospel. I have no proof that that is the case. It's just Tesla does weird stuff like that every now and again. And I feel like the more I talk on this subject, I'm ruining my credibility. So I'm going to move on to our next story. (laughs) Um, Tesla has received permission to build 2,000 Model Y bodies at Giga Berlin prior to final approval. That's going to be 500 vehicles per week. These are vehicles just for tests. They won't be available for sale. So don't get too excited because Tesla is still waiting the environmental approval from the local authorities. Tesla's head of HR, Valerie Capers Workman, is leaving Tesla to become chief legal officer of career placement at Handshake. Handshake is a job site for graduating college students. Tesla brought in Capers Workman right around the time that they were getting a lot of bad press for the way that they treated employees And from the outside perspective, it seems like she's done a really good job at Tesla, and I'm sure she'll do a great job at Handshake. Tesla's 2021 Q4 earnings call will be on January 26th. And the exciting news is that Elon will be back on the earnings call, and he will give us an updated Tesla product roadmap, including an update on the Cybertruck. And there is a lot of wild reports and rumors about the Cybertruck and about, you know, the Tesla Roadster and the Semi and all that stuff. I wouldn't give any of that stuff credence. We're about, you know, seven-ish days away from the earnings call, so we'll get an official update then. So if you're reading an article or listening to a podcast and they have some fantastical news about, you know, Tesla's product line, don't believe anything. (laughs) Treat everything with healthy skepticism until January 26th, and we'll talk more about it on the 26th. There have been a lot of recent complaints about the HVAC system in the Tesla Model 3 and Model Ys in cold climates. The HVAC system, which includes the heat pump, they're not operating correctly in extreme cold. More specifically, they're failing to deliver, you know, cabin heat when it's really cold outside. In addition, it's not defrosting or defogging the windshield properly, and that could obviously cause driver visibility issues. 
I guess the problem relates to that little vent below the bumper that allows air to flow into the vehicle. It can become disabled if there's snow or ice buildup. Um, a lot of these complaints have been made in Canada and some in the United States, but Transport Canada has opened up an investigation after 16 complaints. The National Highway Transportation Safety Administration announced that they are aware of the issue and they've launched a probe, but no official investigation. Tesla has started rolling out an over-the-air update that will hopefully fix this issue. I'm not exactly sure how they can fix it with an over-the-air update if the you know, that vent is clogged with ice. That seems more like, you know, hardware type issue or some sort of parts issue. And to that point, some Tesla service centers have told owners that the problem is likely a hardware issue and won't be fixed with a software update. So time will tell. I can understand why Tesla wants to try the software update first. It's obviously a cheaper fix if it works than doing a whole hardware or parts uh, recall. And of course, it should go without saying that this isn't a big deal at all unless you live somewhere cold, like not Arizona cold. It's 60 degrees as I record this podcast right now. I have a stocking cap on, you know, a sweatshirt and uh, some nice warm socks. But it's a dry cold in Arizona, so it's different. So don't judge me. All right, let's see here. Tesla has released FSD beta 10.9, and here are some improvements. First up, they improved modeling when it comes to intersections, like right-of-way assignments, which is really cool. So here in the United States, if two vehicles pull up to a four-way stop at the same time, the person on the right has the right-of-way. So it sounds like the car will recognize that. And there was a bunch of other stuff under right-of-way assignments that I didn't understand, so I'm not going to talk about it because it'll just sound stupid or more stupid. Um, unprotected left turns are now more natural. So when I took Brad and Sierra's Tesla out to test the FSD beta, Brad was really uncomfortable the first time, uncomfortable with the car making left turns when you had to cross traffic. So if we wanted to turn left, but we had to cross over that northbound traffic, uh, Brad felt more comfortable doing that manually and not letting the car do that, especially when cars were coming, because the car just had a really hard time with that. And honestly, when you're in that, ex when you're experiencing that, you you want to do it too. It wasn't just Brad; like I was on board because the car does do some some really strange things sometimes. And like Brad mentioned uh, in the Thanksgiving special podcast, it has a reason. You don't always know what it is, and it doesn't always make sense to you, but the car has a reason for why it messes up. So uh, some of the other improvements are improved lane preferences and smoother launches, which is really good because when it takes off from a stop, it always feels like it's in a hurry, like it's late for work. Um, that's supposed to be more natural now. And then improved gap selection when yielding to a stream of oncoming cars on narrow roadways. So it'll it'll pick the appropriate gap between cars before pulling into that stream. So overall, some really good improvements, nothing groundbreaking, but not every update needs to be a groundbreaking update. So a good, solid update, it sounds like. And honestly, I can't wait for Sierra and Brad to get it so that I can test it and, and get back to you with how everything went. Um, oh, Tesla also announced that FSD beta is coming to Canada over the next two to four weeks. 
And Earl, who's the original Frunk Puppy, he's at 28 Delays Later. He's been on the show before. He's really funny. I like him a lot. He's a sweet man. He tweeted something like, um, Canada, you can have the FSD beta, but you can't have heat. So it was kind of funny. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't find the exact wording of his tweet. And I spent a stupid amount of time looking for his exact tweet, like more than 20 minutes trying to find it, but I couldn't find it. So that's my approximation of what Earl said. It was still funny. While we're on the subject of full self-driving, the next several stories are going to be related to that. Uh, first up, Tesla has released accident data for Q3 and Q4 2021. So with autopilot on, which includes auto steer and active safety features, in Q1, there was one accident for every 4.97 miles driven, which is an 8% improvement. And they didn't say this specifically, but I'm assuming the improvement was over Q3 last year, not the previous quarter. And you'll find out why. Because in Q4, there was one accident every 4.31 million miles driven, which was a 25% improvement. All right, let's jump to autopilot off, which has no auto steer or active safety features on. Q3, there was one accident for every 1.6 million miles driven, which is actually 11% decline. Q4, one accident for every 1.59 million miles driven, which was a 25% improvement. So that's interesting. Uh, the most recent National Highway Transportation Safety Administration data shows that there's one accident for every 484,000 miles driven for all other vehicles. And let's see here, along the same lines of the FSD beta, um, I'm kind of out of order here, sorry about that. Tesla might have to start sharing their FSD beta data with the California DMV due to videos showing dangerous use. Now, I think when people post videos doing dangerous stuff with the autopilot or FSD beta or whatever, I, I think that is extremely irresponsible and stupid. I also think saying that we're going to need to see your data because of these videos uh, showing people doing dangerous stuff with your technology as a pretense to get the data is stupid. Just you're the government. Just say you want the data. And the reason why you want the data is because other companies doing the same thing that you are, you know, testing autonomous driving in California, they need to report the data. So Tesla, you need to provide the data. Like I am not a big believer that government should be a roadblock when it comes to innovation. However, I can see because this is a new technology and it could potentially be dangerous, why the California DMV would want these reports. And I think it's totally acceptable to ask for them. And it's totally acceptable for Tesla to give them. Like I said, other companies like Apple and Waymo have to provide these reports. I don't know why Tesla doesn't have to. Sometimes this stuff is maddening to me. All right, I'm going to call this segment the pod feet segment because the two stories I'm going to talk about, I got directly from Allison Sheridan. So here we go with the pod feet segment. A developer has found a unique workaround for getting Apple CarPlay to work on a Tesla. Michael or Mikkel Kapinski, hopefully I said his name right, was able to get Apple CarPlay working on Tesla's in-car browser. So here's how he did it. He had a Raspberry Pi, 
outfitted with a custom Android firmware. If you don't know what a Raspberry Pi is, it's this little adorable computer and you can buy it in a couple of different form factors, but it's just this little, like a little motherboard with some fittings on it. You can put it in your own custom case or you can 3D print a case and you can do a ton of different things with this. They're only about $35. I have one on my 3D printer that sits in the garage so I can turn on and off the 3D printer from my phone while I'm at my house. Anyway, I don't want to get too geeky because that's, you know, this isn't a Raspberry Pi podcast, but basically he had this Raspberry Pi that was all custom set up and he was able to connect his phone to the Raspberry Pi and his car to the Raspberry Pi. And then through that, he was able to display the Apple CarPlay interface on the Tesla screen through the, the browser. And not only was he able to display it, all of the Apple CarPlay apps actually worked as expected, which is really cool. And he could even use the steering wheel controls uh, to make changes in the interface. Kapinski is still working on the system, but once it's ready, he'll release it to the public, which I think is super cool. When he finally releases the project, I'll keep you updated. This is actually something that I would be up for you know, playing around with and, and trying and seeing if I can't get it to work on Sierra and Brad's Tesla since they're the only people I know that have a Tesla and then I can have access to it. But who knows, maybe they don't want that. Uh, I'll have to ask them before I do it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. All right. We're about to get heavy here, folks. We're about to, to talk about a serious subject. We're going to talk about the Dawn Project. So if you haven't heard, 
The Dawn Project, from what I can tell, their overall goal is to make software controlling critical infrastructure like transportation, healthcare, power grids, communication, and water treatment plants safer from hackers. On their website, it says the following. The Dawn Project aims to make computers safe for humanity by making safety critical software systems unhackable. Well, that word unhackable right there, that that kind of, that gives my my nerd senses like bad feelings. Like like when someone speaks in absolutes, like this always happens or you're never this or whatever. When someone speaks in absolutes, like that's a real pet peeve to to me. And sometimes I even do it and it's really irritating. When you say something is unhackable, that's an absolute and and honestly, it's a pretty irresponsible absolute because if you want hackers to hack whatever you're doing, then tell them that what you're working on is unhackable and then they're they're going to hack it. So on the surface, I'm on board with their goal, um, taking the unhackable stuff out of it. Securing these systems is a really daunting task because much of the software and hardware used to run these systems is very antiquated and, you know, they're... They're being maintained by applying, you know, string and and chewing gum. (laughs) You know, they're just barely hanging on. In the United States, we're in such a bad place in terms of our critical infrastructure. Um, Correcting it, which is something we definitely need to do, is not like an easy task. Like this is going to be a very difficult thing for the United States to overcome. Um, If you'll indulge me, let me give you a real quick example here. Let's say that you own a power company or you run a power company and you just installed a completely new state-of-the-art system like soup to nuts. This whole thing is brand new. Money was no object on this project and every piece of equipment and software is on point. But there's one problem. One of the processes that routes the heat coming from the server rack to heat the CEO's coffee pot that runs off a Commodore 64, and for whatever reason, that CEO requires that that Commodore 64 be connected to the network. The Commodore 64 is the weakness in the system. This could be a sort of a base camp for hackers to get into the rest of the network. Additionally, it could also just be a fail point because Commodore 64s are old. It's close to 40-year-old technology, and it's running in this state-of-the-art facility. Like this is an extreme example, but it's not all that extreme. So to say something that is that something is unhackable, what I'm saying is that there's always weakness somewhere. And right now, much of our critical infrastructure is this hodgepodge of technologies that may or may not work well together. Like um, at the fire department, we have electronic health records. So when we do a chart on a patient and we want to transfer care to another fire department's ambulance or an ambulance company, they don't share our charting system. So instead of digitally sending the patient's chart to the medic on the ambulance, what we have to do is we have to print out a paper chart and then the medic on the ambulance has to re-enter a lot of the same information that we've already collected. It doesn't make any sense in the whole process. It's silly to be honest with you. Anyway... The Dawn Project was founded by Dan O'Dowd, who is the CEO of Green Hills Software. According to Dan's bio, and I'm just going to read this word for word here, 
He is the world's leading expert in creating software that never fails and can't be hacked. Dan created secure operating systems for projects including Boeing 787, Lockheed Martin's F-35 fighter jets, the Boeing B-1B intercontinental nuclear bomb, bomber, excuse me, NASA's Orion crew exploration vehicle. Dan has been a pioneer of making safety critical software systems unhackable since his days at the California Institute of Technology, Caltech. Dan graduated from Caltech in 1976 with a bachelor's degree of science in engineering. Now Dan is the recipient of the Caltech Distinguished Alumni Award, which is the highest honorary which Caltech bestows upon a graduate. Dan's expertise in creating the most secure operating systems in the world led him to found the Dawn Project, which is dedicated to making computers truly safe for humanity. No shade, no lemonade here, but Dan doesn't... (laughs) His bio doesn't make him sound like a super humble dude, and maybe he's the greatest program in the world, but holy cow, I know... My, a fair amount of, of programmers. Before I was a firefighter, I spent some time around programmers. My best friend in the entire world since high school is a programmer, and he's a really good, sought-after programmer. I don't, I mean, I haven't asked him, but I'm pretty sure he would never say anything that he created was unhackable. At this point, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, what does this have to do with Tesla? Well, Dan and the Don Project took out a full-page ad in the New York Times in opposition to Elon Musk's ill-advised FSD robot car experiment. Now, I am not going to read you the New York Times uh, advert, because you can go and look it up yourself, but I will play a six-minute interview with Dan on Squawk on the Street. If you didn't know, Squawk on the Street is a CNBC news program And the clip here is about six minutes long, maybe a little bit longer. So let's go ahead and listen to it now. Dan, it's good to have you this morning. Um, I read that ad. I'm sure I'm sure many others read it as well. It's alarming. But I just wonder, why are you doing this? Well, um, the the history uh, of uh, a very important factor in modern history is this commitment to the internet, connecting everything up to, it, to the internet. And every company on the planet, everybody is totally committed to hooking everything up to the internet as quickly as possible. And, and this has created a really big problem because all this software, I mean, ask anybody, they'll tell you everything can be hacked, all the software can be hacked. But what we're doing is connecting up the things that our lives depend on, uh, the power grid, cars, uh, water treatment plants, hospitals, they're all being connected up to the Internet, and it's all, all that software is very easily hackable. And people can take down vast sections of our critical infrastructure um, anytime they want. Um, for cars, there's, there are huge problems um, with, with, with cars in self-driving cars. Uh, if you've got a, a hacker gets control of a self-driving car, uh, which everybody basically says, of course, we all know it can be hacked. With the self-driving car, the problem is all the software is the same. If you look at Tesla, they, every Tesla runs the same software, and they're all on the Internet. If you find out how to hack one of them, you can hack right. all of them, literally, and take control of a million Teslas or two million 
and then program them to drive into oncoming traffic or or go you know or down Christmas parades or outdoor cafes or anything you have like that. So this um, is a severe well, that, problem. Yeah, that's a scary prospect. But uh, your ad didn't focus on that as much as it focused on what you said was uh, analyzing many hours of YouTube videos and just finding that at least according to what you saw, the self-driving function on these Teslas commits more than a thousand times as many critical errors as human drivers. I mean, you weren't focused on hacking as much as you simply are, am I wrong, focused on what you feel is a, um, a faulty software program? Well, it's the, the overall mission of the Dawn Project is both security and, and safety. It's all about safety. In this particular case, the situation is very egregious. Um, the software, it does not work. Um, it, it continuously tries to drive you into things. Watch the videos. I, I, there's hundreds of them. And, and it, it, that was the study. Every 36 minutes we looked at those videos, it tried to walk, you know, run into a wall or into the wrong way on traffic or, or everything that, that could happen uh, with, with your car. And this just, it's just terrible. I mean, I've been doing safety engineering for a very long time. And this is, I've never seen anything. No one's ever put out a product that, that every eight minutes, it tries to do something dumb. There, that's yeah. I put out a reward of $10,000 for someone who could show us a single product that fails that often and does the wrong thing. Uh, you, you're, you said your report analyzed 22 videos posted on YouTube. I mean, is that enough of a sampling size to really make the claims that you're making, Dan? It's a substantial portion. We're doing more. Um, we did that many, and we looked at it and said there's just no question as to the situation. We looked at more. We sampled other ones randomly and said, this is fine. We're going to do more. We're going to do more videos that took, you know, took time to analyze. We looked through every single one. We've annotated there's a there's a spreadsheet that annotates every failure every time it turns from the wrong lane runs through a stop sign uh, each event that it does that would each of those they then those are something that if you did that on a driving test in California they wouldn't give you a license and it happens every eight minutes you got a 20 minute test under California couldn't get a driver's license it makes so many mistakes Dan it's Morgan I, I mean this this conversation uh, entered the Twitter sphere, if you will. Um, I know you tweeted about it, and then Elon Musk has had some responses to uh, someone else tweeted that it's so weird that the most vocal critics of full self-driving always have a huge financial interest in a comp- competing solution, and Musk responded to that indeed. Do you have a huge financial interest in a competing solution? Is that part of the reason that you even started looking at this technology and are so critical of it? Uh, well, no. Um, I mean, a financial interest in, in a way. Um, I have no, as you guys say, I have no financial interest in Tesla. I have no short positions, puts, anything like that. My my entire financial uh, uh, interest in Tesla is I own three of them. I own three Teslas. I own two Roadsters and a Model S. Um, that there, there's no financial interest. If if people say you know financial interest, it, can you say I'm a competitor? I, I help. BMW, I help uh, Daimler, uh, all the big companies, uh, GM, uh, we supply software for those people to do it. And that gives it uh, uh, information. But actually, I say, if who better to find out the problems in your product than the competitor? They, they look at things, they, they analyze their competitors' products, they try to figure things out. 
they tell you the things the salesman doesn't want you to know. I, I don't see why if you say any, if you say this person's a competitor, you shouldn't listen to them. That's just giving the salesman you know, his, his dream. No one will ever hear about anything negative about the product. Yeah. So I, I think it's completely wrong headed just even to say that. Yeah, I sure. We're a competitor in a, in a moderate way. I don't make cars. I don't make self-driving software. I make software that people who make self-driving software use to do mm-hmm. their job. All right, let's address some of the things he talks about here. Uh, first of all, uh, um, he mentions uh, that a lot of this software is just downloaded from the internet, and the people who originally wrote some of this software didn't intend it to be used for self-driving. Well, that's not exactly true, and this guy, if he is a software engineer, he knows that. There's a lot of development that goes into not only Tesla's self-driving system, but Waymo and BMW and Volkswagen and Ford and all these other companies, GM Cruise, they may use a, a program like Linux as the like the based operating system. But a lot of the code that runs on top of that is is custom code. They're not just downloading willy nilly libraries from you know some enthusiast programmer website. Like the people working on this technology actually know what they're doing. It's not some cobbled mess that somehow manages to work. Although Volkswagen did have earlier this year a cobbled mess that somehow managed to work, and now they've got to kind of fix all that. But that's that's come something completely different than what we're talking about today, although it does have some uh, related themes. And of course, he mentions that Tesla all runs the same software. So if you can hack one, you can hack all of them, and that is 100% true. If you have a Windows laptop or a Apple laptop and the software is up to date, all those laptops are running the, the same software. And so they're all vulnerable to the same hack. That, that doesn't even make a whole lot of sense. Like there's not a world where a company makes an individual operating system for each and every product it sells. So if you own this Model 3 you have this operating system, which is completely different than your neighbor's Model 3's operating system. That just, that doesn't make sense. Nobody's going to do business like that. And I would imagine that Green Hill Software doesn't do business like that either. Uh, Let's see here. Dan mentioned that every 36 minutes, something critical happened. Um, I will note that I went to look at their, their, um, research, I guess you could call it. Um, and in their research, it there's only one video that goes over 36 minutes. And that video happens to be like 47 minutes long. Everything else is, you know, right around between nine and 20 ish minutes. There's a few that are in the 30 minute range, but everything else is, is pretty short in terms of videos. Um, Another thing Dan mentions is that there were hundreds of videos, and for whatever reason, they only analyzed 21 of those hundreds of videos. And I'm going to break those down here in just a second. Um, They were grading the videos based off the California DMV driver's driving performance evaluation. So they broke it down into the, you know, the full self-driving version the numbers they found for that version, the videos that they analyzed, and the percent analyzed, which I'm not going to go into. So for FSD version 8, 
which they found videos that were like 2020, December of 2020. They found 10 videos. They only analyzed six of them. For FSD version 10, they found five videos, but they only analyzed two. For FSD version 10.2, they found 15 videos. They analyzed nine. For version 10.3, they found six videos. They only analyzed two. For version 10.3.1, they found 18 videos. They only analyzed two. Now, right now, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we are at version 10.9. So um, I don't think this is <laughs> this is such uh, strenuous work that they could not have updated their spreadsheet because they just placed this ad uh, last week. So they could have updated their little spreadsheet here to include the versions between 10.3.1 and 10.9, but they didn't do that. And honestly, when I look at their research, the Dawn Project's research, and I don't know who did it, but I would place it somewhere between like a white paper and a high school science project. And it's more on the high school science project than it is on the white paper. Like they analyzed just over seven hours of video and felt like that was enough to to make a big deal out of this. Like I'm all on their side if they actually did their homework, but they did their homework in the laziest way possible. Like Dan O'Dowd says that he owns three Teslas, two of which are, you know, the original Roadster and he owns one Model S. Now I don't know how old his Model S is, but you would think if he has access to $180,000 to take out a full page ad in the New York Times, he could afford to purchase four rear-wheel drive Model 3s for $45,000, you know, sprinkle them across North America and test them for six months and then collect the data. And then when he's all done with them, he could, if he doesn't want them anymore, he can sell them for pretty close to what he bought them for. But instead, he's watching YouTube videos and not to be, you know, rude about this or anything, but that's what my 10-year-old kids or 9-year-old kids would do for their science project like that that is something that if you have $180,000 to throw around you shouldn't be getting your data from YouTube videos i'm just saying like spend your $180,000 and do some real real world tests Whew. our words are hard let's see here um greenhill software he does mention this in the video greenhill software does build you know, technologies uh, for companies like BMW. I, I believe Green Hill said, according to a TechCrunch article, they said that they provided the real-time operating system for the BMW iX all-electric SUV. Now, I honestly don't think that the Don Project did this research and took out the full-page ad because they you know, because Bill O'Dowd has some business uh, dealings with BMW, I think there's something else that's that's going on there. And I, I can't quite put my finger on what it is, but it's definitely weird. Um, on Fox Business, O'Dowd said that the original version of the Tesla Autopilot software was using Green Hill software. And here is a quote. I backed away from the project and I said, I don't know that this is right, that this is what we should be doing here. This isn't going to work. So 
I don't know if Green Hill Software was working with Mobileye at that time. I don't know if they were working with Tesla at that time, or even if any of this is true. Fox Business could not independently confirm Green Hill's relationship with Tesla. So, you know, just kind of keep that in the back of your head. One of the things he did mention in the Squawk on the Street interview, which is a really terrible name for a, bit, for a TV show, that the Don Project was offering a $10,000 reward to anyone who could find a Fortune 500 company that has as basically as many critical malfunctions as a Tesla does every eight minutes, to which anybody who's ridden in a Waymo should be shouting from the rooftops, Waymo. Like I've, I've ridden in Waymos with and without drivers in them. And, uh, yeah, uh, they need some work now. I'll be honest. I haven't ridden in one in a couple of months, so, uh, they might be a lot better than they were the last time, but they weren't great. And I'm happy that Waymo is actually out there testing their autonomous software. I'm not worried that my kids are going to get run over by a Waymo, but, <laughs> That it's also it has a lot of problems. So just just going to say that now Elon came out and he did say that Tesla's have not had any known accidents while FSD beta was active, which may or may not be true. There was on November 3rd, 2021, a person using FSD beta in California, and he said that the car forced them into another lane, and they struck another vehicle. The National Highway Transportation Safety Administration was notified of that accident, and I don't know if it's going to be investigated or how far it will go. I will say that it's pretty easy, having you know driven Sierra and Brad's car, to disengage autopilot. So it's not hard to do. Like, it's not going to throw me into the other lane. Like, you just provide a little bit of force, and it stops, or you, you step on the brake, and it stops. So we'll keep an eye on this whole Dawn project thing and see how it develops. Maybe it'll turn into nothing or maybe it'll turn into, you know, the greatest thing for EV and Tesla podcasters that ever existed. I don't know. I got a article recommendation from Teddy on Twitter, and I don't know if he wants me to use his full Twitter name, so I won't. But uh, it just so happened that it goes so perfectly with the previous story. A 19-year-old hacker was able to take control of more than 20 Teslas in 10 different countries. David Colombo made sure to clarify that this isn't an actual issue with Tesla's security. The flaw was actually found in a third-party app that the owners had to download and then enter in their Tesla credentials. Through this app, Colombo was able to disable the car's remote camera system. He was able to spy on the occupants while they're in the car. He was able to unlock the doors and roll down the windows. He was the, he could see the car's location, real-time location. He could begin the keyless driving, but he wasn't able to interfere with steering, acceleration, or brakes. So that's good news. Colombo was in contact with the third-party app maker, as well as Tesla, to make sure that the issue gets fixed. On a totally unrelated note, Teslab, a third-party Tesla app, has reported that thousands of their authentication tokens from Tesla have expired. Teslab allows you to enter your Tesla credentials and get helpful insights like drive details, and you can track your drives and your charging and all that stuff, according to the App Store page. 
Um, now, I don't know if Teslab was part of this hack, um, honestly, and it would be irresponsible to tell me to tell you that they were because I don't know if they were or they weren't. Uh, but, you know, coincidences happen. I'm sure this is a coincidence and not related in any way, shape or form. Um, in the past, actually a couple times in the past, I've had companies who do similar things contact me asking to be on the show, and I've turned them down uh, pretty much for this very reason. Like, I don't have a Tesla, so I have no way of, of verifying whether or not their product works as they say it works. And I don't know if they're going to be a good steward of your data or if they're going to be around for a few years or if they sell to somebody else that misuses your data. It's just not something I'm interested in like highlighting on this show. Not because I don't think it's cool, um, but because like I don't want to lead you down a path that may be harmful to you in some way. And giving some third-party you know, company uh, your credentials for something as important as your car doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Like I know there are a lot of people who do it and that's great. It's just, I don't just don't think it's a good idea for, for me and my family. Okay. Uh, one final story here and it's a quick one. Taco Bell has launched the taco lovers pass for $10 a month. You get one taco a day for 30 consecutive days. All you need to do is sign up in the Taco Bell app and you are all set. So how does this tie into a show about EVs? Well, ChargeNet, a software startup that manages on-site energy storage, solar, and charging designed for commercial occupancies, and more specifically in this instance, fast food locations, ChargeNet will be installing EV chargers at 70 Taco Bell locations. So you can now relax and, and, and enjoy your daily taco while you charge uh, your vehicle and ChargeNet says in about 15 minutes, you're going to get about a hundred miles and it'll cost you under $10 and you can enjoy that delicious taco. And then you get to enjoy that taco again, like two weeks later when you're vacuuming out your car and all of the little pieces of the taco fell out between the seats and on the floor and stuff like that, which is really irritating to me. All right, everybody, that is all I have for this episode. I want to thank you very much for listening to me blabber on for about 51 minutes now. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much for listening to this show. It really means a lot to me. If you want to email me, you can email me at Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can also find me on Twitter at 918digital. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I'll just talk to you in a few days. 